You are tuning into Latino Politics and News with Tony Diaz on 90.1 FM, KPFT, Houston, Texas. The era of Hispandering is over. Welcome to the latest episode of Latino Politics and News. This is Tony Diaz. Today, we're taking a deep look into the recent Supreme Court ruling regarding DACA, deferred action for childhood arrivals. Other shows have done that. We're about to deliver to you a show that no one else can. Never mind that nowhere on commercial radio or TV will you find a program like Latino Politics and News. We're going to take that one step further because today... I want to announce right now that between one of the interviews that we conducted and right now, which is about 36 hours, I'm proud to say that we're actually going to get involved in helping out potential DACA recipients. That's what the show is about. Not just reporting to you what the Supreme Court findings may or may not imply, but we also want to actively engage in transforming lives in different ways. I'm happy to announce that we are reactivating the nonprofit organization Protectors of the Dream. Several folks came together to create that program, including partners from the Monty and Ramirez Law Firm, as well as several other donors. We'll be giving grants to first-time DACA applicants to help cover the cost of the filing fees which is $495. We just finalized this. There's still a few more details to work out. Happy to make that announcement first right here. We will post it on our website, latinopolicsandnews.com, nuestapalabra.org. Additionally, we'll include it in our email list. If you go to tonydiaz.net, you can sign on to our email blast. If you go to the blog, Additionally, we'll include it in all our social media platforms. We will keep you updated. We'll tell you exactly how folks can apply. Today's show is a show that no one else could deliver. Of course, we're going to bring you some of the important minds on this issue. At the top of the program, we're going to talk to board-certified immigration attorney Carolina Ortuzar-Diaz, who will give us a breakdown of the legal implications, but also help us challenge this current ruling because her and her law firm, Monty and Ramirez, filed a new DACA application the same day that the Supreme Court ruling came down. And that is in order to test the parameters of this new space that we're in. We'll talk more about that. Of course, this is a huge victory for so many of the activists and the gente and the community that have been involved in standing up for our community. We're going to have Cesar Espinosa, who is the director of FIEL. Cesar Espinosa and FIEL have been fighting for our community rights for a long time. It's wonderful to see their work come to fruition in this way, but they are continuing this struggle. We'll check in with him. And of course, this is about all those young Latinos and Latinx voices that have been given new opportunities by this ruling. We're going to talk to Karen Martinez, who is a Latinx artist who has been involved with the community who back. She's a DACA recipient. She's going to tell you exactly what that means in her life. 
But on top of that, she's going to show us how that plays into her art and how that edifies the community. I'm so proud that you're tuning in today, and I'm really proud for KPFT to bring you this show because let's get something straight. Only this experiment in freedom of speech, only this station that's 50 years old can bring you a show like this. We want to thank our crew that's putting the show together, Leti Lopez, Rodrigo Bravo, who mixed this show remotely, Claudia Soler Alfonso, Jesse Aranda Comer, Lori Flores, Stefano Cabeza, and Al Castillo. Thanks for tuning in. This is Tony Diaz with Latino Politics and News. Me complace amarte, disfruto acariciarte y ponerte a dormir. Yes, you're on the lab, boy. Ese Yeah, yeah, muchos dicen conocerme Y es muy fácil especular y no lo juzgo, eso es humano y natural Oye, a veces uno cree saber de los demás Pero ni un 20% es decir ni la mitad Todo lo que yo he vivido, ya son 39 aquí de pie yo sigo No pudieron mis enemigos, nada Oye, y la verdad sacando cuenta mirando al espejo Yo fui mi único enemigo Del bareto pa' la perco, cada día más terco Sin disciplina para que tener talento Pero Diosito me dio otra oportunidad Levante la cara y no le pienso bajar N-I-C-K Colombia a mí me hizo renacer En verdad la palabra tiene poder Quién iba a apostar y quién iba a creer Que desde Medellín el mundo yo iba a romper No hay recuerdo que no duela Zapatos sin suela La misma ropa con orines pa' la escuela Oye, ja Pero qué ironía, y ahora son dos Che Gabbana pa' salir todos los días. Y aunque lo material no llena como lo sentimental, no hay un premio que se pueda comparar. Ja, como el rostro de mi viejo al observar, la nueva casa que le regalé aunque no era Navidad. Ja, la gente que estuvo conmigo, gracias a los fans y a ciego por ser mi mejor amigo. Compañero de batalla en este destino, eso vale más que 20 discos de platino. Da hombre, y pa' decir esto. Ver la cara de mi madre orgullosa No hay una escena más poderosa Que darle un beso y una rosa Mi tresía, mi canción es más valiosa Y mi chamaquito viendo como goza Lo que su padre trabajó pa' que nunca le falte nada Si falla en algún momento doy la cara Y pido perdón por mis errores, soy humano Gracias a D.Y. por siempre darme la mano Al Ñejo o el Broco o ese es mi hermano ja. Barrio Obrero y Tocataño Ojalá pase esto pa' ponernos ready Y hacer un chori el otro año Puerto Rico Me complace amarte Disfruto acariciarte Y ponerte a mí Es escalofriante Tenerte de frente Hacerte sonreír A veces pensando antes de dormir Aunque siempre duermo poco Los sueños viven nunca estarán rotos Buscando motivación Como cuando todavía no había pegado ni una canción Inseguridades como cualquier otro Es mejor darme un abrazo al que me pidas una foto Hoy sigo siendo el mismo, pero con más cero Hoy sigo siendo el mismo, pero más sincero Thanks for tuning in to Latino Politics and News This is Tony Diaz We are taking a deep dive into the recent Supreme Court ruling regarding DACA Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. And with us today is Board Certified Immigration Attorney Carolina Ortuzar Diaz. She is a partner at Monte and Ramirez. 
She's also a board member of the Mexican-American Bar Association in Houston and also a board member of Nuestra Palabra, Latino Writers Having Their Say. She's also known as Abogada Carolina. Well, welcome to the program, Abogada Carolina. Thank you so much for having me. I was surprised that the Supreme Court, I'm going to say, saved DACA for now. Were you expecting that ruling? Attorneys and people in the community were really expecting the worst. We were expecting the Supreme Court to decide in favor of the Trump administration and even go farther in saying that the court didn't have even power to review this decision. That was the first uh, holding that I, I consider a very remarkable. The fact that they decided that they do have the power to uh, review the, the decision to terminate DACA because remember, this decision is just based on something that we call prosecutorial discretion. And generally speaking, the executive branch has a lot of discretion to decide what kind of enforcement actions Which I would take. point out that I think President Trump has really played with that power more so directly than most presidents before us now. So that is a big deal. That space where individuals decisions, I would say biases, influence and outcome. That's where the, that's the terrain we're in. Right. And traditionally speaking, you know, there is a discretion by the, uh, the executive branch and there's a respect from the other branches in that sense. If Congress doesn't act legislatively within in, in, in regarding immigration laws, then then you have the federal power to act on those uh, smaller issues. The other context I want to put this in is that one of the reasons I didn't think we'd get good news is because President Trump has nominated Supreme Court justices who, of course, we all know the Supreme Court is supposed to be unbiased, nonpartisan. But when he appointed these judges, he went out of his way to say they're conservative judges will have conservative decisions. That's no secret. So when the ruling was five to four, I want to point out this is good news. But five to four is a slim margin. That's right. We're used to that. But it is a really good decision also because in practical terms, what it's saying is that memorandum rescinding the DACA program was arbitrary, capricious. But also they point out to something that I think is very interesting in terms of how much DACA was saved. They talk about reliance. And the fact that DACA is more than just an enforcement action. We have young individuals applying, giving uh, very important information about them. And also the government has to go through an adjudicating process. And one of the arguments that was presented before the Supreme Court was that there was not really a, a, a credible reliance on this program when it's only allowing these young people to renew a work permit only for two years. So, But that but, was from the administration. That's the right. Trump administration but was arguing that. The Supreme Court said, no, there is a reliance that is an interest, an interest that should be reviewed, should be analyzed, and the decision to end DACA basically failed to provide any analysis or rational analysis of the decision. So we are focusing on the good news some practical steps, but I want to keep people informed about this decision because 
it seems that the Trump administration has vowed to get rid of DACA in some way, shape, or form. That's right. What are some ways that they can still get rid of it while Trump is still in power? The the uh, most effective and, and, and normal way of doing this is basically reissue the memorandum rescinding DACA. But they have to meet the standard provided by the Supreme Court. And it's not really a complicated matter. It should have been done way before. One of the cases that was presented to or consolidated before the Supreme Court was a decision from the District Court in uh, District Court of Columbia. And basically, the judge gave the government a chance. Say, I don't, I don't think this decision was, was rational. I'm going to give you a chance to reissue a decision explaining, providing a rational explanation of, of your decision, and then declined to do so. So the Trump administration was not rational. It sounds as if you're saying that if it were an English course and a student turned in the paper, the professor said, well, this is an F go home and work on it. But the student came back and said, I changed the title. And the Supreme Court was like, that's not enough. But perhaps because the Trump administration knew they had appointed several Supreme Court justices, perhaps they took for granted that it would rule a certain way. Maybe that's the same reason that uh, I thought they would rule a certain way. Or they just don't focus too much on any details it's it's hard it's but it's hard to speculate why they did it all we know is that the supreme court decided this particular approach was not up to par i think at at one point really the court the trump administration was very strong about a position that is really hardcore decision a position in my view which is that the trump administration had an absolute power to do this And there is not even a need to explain that. But that's where the critical part was presented to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court, no, it's not an absolute power. We need an analysis behind it. And that is really about how much power the executive branch can have in in executive actions. And we see that there is a, a limit. So I think the first thing we're going to see is a new order, new memorandum rescinding DACA. Let's get into actions people can take now, right. because if I understand correctly, the moment that the Supreme Court ruled, you then tested the, <laughs> the new status of the law by submitting a DACA case. That's, Tell us about that. That's right. This is a young lady who was not yet 15 when the Trump administration ended DACA, and that's one of the requirements to file the first application. So we had all these DACA recipients who already had DACA before Trump ended DACA. And because of the lawsuits, the judges allowed these uh, DACA recipients to continue renewing their work permits. As long as they were already in the system. That's right. So nobody was able to apply for the very first time. Even though they met the age requirement, they were excluded. Excluded. Until <laughs> until <laughs> so, that fateful day when the Supreme Court ruled 5 to 4. That very same day, we had this application package ready. So let me get this straight. When the Trump administration opens that, that application, it's postmarked the same day as the Supreme Court ruling. That's right. Exactly the same day. Why was it so important to apply that day? We are lawyers. We follow the law. The law is for everybody to follow. So regardless of what the Department of Homeland Security think about this decision, 
their obligation is to follow the law. And the Supreme Court uh, is the supreme law. So whether or not the Department of Homeland Security is ready to reopen this program to accept initial applications, they should reopen it immediately. Uh, however, we're still living in, in, in a limbo, right? Uh, so now we're in interpretation of the exactly, law. Exactly, exactly. Uh, that's our interpretation of the law. So the, the moment that that application package is received, they're going to see the Supreme Court decision on top of the packet. <laughs> you and print it out. We put, it, put it on top, right? Literally. Literally, yes. I print it out for them to look at it. And, and now I also want to point out that this is a case you're taking out pro bono. There is some risk involved because it sounds like you're saying it's in limbo. It's it, Your interpretation is that, okay, you're taking applications. Here's someone that was ineligible before. They, they fit the age criteria. You never ended the program because the Supreme Court said never ended. Go ahead and process this. Right, exactly. And then this is, uh, we're humans, and then I can only imagine the uh, officer receiving this application. Like, <laughs> if you were maybe a receptionist in the doctor's office and someone comes and says, do you have an appointment? No. So what are, what are we going to do with you? They don't. Your website says. <laughs> right. So they're not officially reopening the program. So it takes time. It is Department of Homeland Security, USCIS takes time to get people, processes in place to reprocess this. But right now you have an argument because yes. I imagine if the Trump administration rescinds DACA next week or in a month, then you can't submit anything else. That's right. And on the other hand is if we have a new order rescinding DACA, that means that everything else before that the program was in place before it was rescinded. It so your, your client, and again, all my folks, this is a test you yes. guys are taking on. It's a pro bono case. The risk for some people is that they may pay for legal representation and they may pay for the filing fee. Filing fee. 485 But the trade-off is that they are in this legal case that once the Trump administration does what it promises it would do, rescind DACA, You've got an argument to say, well, at that time it was still in effect. That's right, and and the argument is is we're dealing with uh, young people who needs a chance, and and it's just so critical. We see how they are able to flourish, to continue education, to work, to pro- to be productive members of the community. If we have a sixteen year old uh, young lady or young man without a work permit, without a driver license, with a social security number. I mean, they're going to face serious challenges and it's going to be harder for them to, to really reach their goals in terms of whatever, education, providing for their families, etc. So it's a, it's a fight that is worth fighting. We don't really have anything to lose at this point. And, but it's more than that. We really need to keep showing that we are ready to fight it and we're ready to continue to represent those who deserve it. So we're in this gray area right now. Mm-hmm. We're waiting to see what the next move from the Trump administration may be. What I want to remind listeners, though, is that the Trump administration has vowed to overturn DACA. We're talking about the universe up until the rescinding order and then in November when the election is held. So if President Trump is reelected, he'll have more time to eliminate DACA for good. Probably Supreme Court Justice Ginsburg will retire, so we'll name another Supreme Court nominee 
and that nominee perhaps would swing that 5-4 vote the other way where it's overturned. Is that a fair forecast into the future of what might happen to at least this law if President Trump is reelected? Yeah, but more than that, remember DACA is not the end uh, solution. It's just a very temporary protection. So just like we're dealing with uh, potential political effects of re-election of the Trump administration, potentially changing you know the face of the Supreme Court we uh, we can't really rely on this program to provide the final solution for the DACA for the dreamers it is about um, providing a, a more stable more thoughtful solution that provides a path to legalization for the green card process really for these young individuals and, and as you mentioned of course there's other changes that we need in immigration that we should be focusing on right now during this campaign to see which politician will support those like you're saying we haven't talked about folks outside of daca family members etc so that's the bigger the bigger picture so please keep us posted on the case you submitted we're going to be waiting for a receipt in the mail but, but that receipt is really important because that meant that that case was accepted for processing. And once that happened, that they are obligated to continue processing that case on a normal basis. But remember also those who have a DACA, they need to continue to renew their DACA and that will protect them from deportation, continue working, renewing their work permit. DACA recipients are on this very temporary protection. If anything happens, unfortunately, if they get arrested for any reason that may end their protection, this is something that they need to keep in mind every single day of their lives. Should people who are eligible start applying? Yes, we. I would recommend that if you meet the requirements, you never apply for DACA, talk to an attorney, review your options, um, and if you're ready to do it, do it right away, uh, because we, we don't know how much time we have. Obviously, because of this gray area, this is a important time to consult a lawyer because they want to know exactly what chances they have, the risks. It's not a for sure deal. However, you're also pointing out that it's also an opportunity for people that were scared to apply before to apply now. What about folks that are in the middle of their two-year DACA status? Well, that's a good question. Um, in general terms, you can apply for DACA six months before the expiration of your work permit. But you may apply before, and, and probably I would recommend that. Maybe if you are a year away from your expiration, maybe it is worth considering applying now. Although at the end, you're going to be receiving a, 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 a period of authorization uh, for less than two years, right? So it's something that you need to play by ear a little bit, consider before the decision of the Supreme Court was was rendered, then we were really facing this pressure of, no, you need to really renew it now. Maybe now we have a little bit more time, but it still is, um, we expect a new decision from the Trump administration to end DACA. Obviously, it could happen at any moment in time before November. Sometimes we do have a little bit of heads up. But could it literally be at any moment? I uh, Yes, I, I, I think so. I have citizenship privilege. So for me, I can be cold and calculated as I look at these details. I'm sure that if this were affecting my life and my freedom, I would be very nervous about each step. But I want to add to that. It seems that if there is a court case, it will extend into November. 
I, I, that's what I expect. If we have a new decision to Endaka, I will expect a, another lawsuit filed in court, and that would potentially extend the life of DACA for a long period of time. But we'll see because it's going to depend on how thoughtful this new action from the Trump administration is. And if it is a pretty uh, strong and provides the foundation that the Supreme Court required, we'll have to see federal courts how they're going to see that. Because if they see that it meets the, the standard set by the Supreme Court, we may not have an injunction, meaning they may not stop the Trump administration right up front. And I think sometimes we're glib and we joke that the administration is not capable of such thoughtfulness. We need to understand that a strong case could complicate everything. And what I would also add, if Donald Trump is reelected, he definitely wants to eliminate DACA. That will most likely happen afterwards. And to segue into more general issues, he seems to be restricting immigration at every single level. We're just talking about one issue. That's right. Across the board, that seems to be the pattern. That's the pattern, and we're talking about not just restricting uh, the entry of new asylum seekers or basically uh, making the life of undocumented people really, really hard in the United States or any path towards the green card process is getting every step of the way more complicated. But also we're seeing a very, very strong hand on legal immigration now and suspension of visas abroad is really affecting every step of the way in every in every angle of immigration. Which yeah. just happened recently. Just this week, the Trump administration issued a new order suspending the entry of those who are coming for as with a sponsor or work visas, uh, professionals, H2B visas, uh, seasonal employees, else, which is the international intercompany executives coming just to act on behalf of the company. So it's a big wide front. We'll keep people updated. The last complication I want people to understand about the lives of folks in these systems. And if a dreamer is caught up in an infraction that some other young person might be involved in, let's just say a DUI. Obviously, I don't want anyone to get in, in caught in that, but it happens. Sometimes folks who are in the system need an immigration lawyer and a criminal lawyer. Is that the case? Well, absolutely. If you are an immigrant, if you are caught in a criminal issue, you're going to pay twice. You know, nothing is forgiven in immigration. It may have maybe happened like 20 years ago and it's still going to affect you today. And maybe just as a misdemeanor offense, which is a lower offense, but it's still in the context of DACA, we have single misdemeanors that are significant misdemeanors that meaning that just one of them will basically take you away from DACA, make you ineligible to apply for DACA, just like in the case of a driving with a wheel, a while intoxicated, DWI, some drug offenses and violent offenses like assault family member, etc. So those are very serious offenses, even if it's just as one misdemeanor offense. And that's good for people to understand the sort of scrutiny that they're under. So now that we're all depressed, <laughs> can you close us out by making us understand how historical a moment this is and why perhaps this is a glimmer of hope that we have to keep pushing on? It is refreshing to, to see the Supreme Court 
issuing such a remarkable decision. You can see how the interest of those who apply for DACA and got DACA, their interest is valuable. We'll do whatever it takes to continue supporting families. It's not the time to be afraid. It's time to fight. This is the first step to get to a final solution for them through the, the will of the community and finally in Congress. Great. Well, thank you, Abogada Carolina, and we'll have you back for updates on this. Thank you. Fueron meses buscándote, pero no te encontré ninguna. Me imagino bella cuídate, pero no me quieres ni en pintura. Quieres el manicomio, tu loco, dándote like en Instagram, a veces toco. Ese, ese cuando vas con ese jean apretado, yo sé que te has enterado. Te pido por favor no te vayas, quédate conmigo. Perdida cuenta de los días que no te. Me tienes como un loco buscándote, no te consigo. A ninguna quiero tocar por estar contigo. Me acuerdo cuando te quitaba la toalla y tu cuerpo con sabor a playa. News. This is Tony Diaz. We're going to continue our deep dive into the recent Supreme Court ruling upholding DACA, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. And we want to talk to someone who is directly impacted by this decision. So we're joined on the phone by a friend of our cause and our radio shows, Karen Martinez. First of all, saludos. Hi, hi. Hola. Hello, everybody. And I want to remind folks that you are an artist and activist from Hidalgo, Mexico. Ay, Hidalgo. Shouts out to Hidalgo. <laughs> and uh, you are living and working here in Houston, Texas. Your work explores Latinidad, feminism, and belonging. You earned an MFA. Congratulations on your Master of Fine Arts, first and foremost. Thank you. Thank you so much. And you, you received that in interdisciplinary practices from the University of Houston in 2019. You're a former member of the artist collective Mujeres Malas and the founder of Latina Filmmakers, a digital space dedicated to uplifting and sharing resources for Latinx women. As a DACA recipient, you're dedicated to promoting progressive causes, and you've worked with groups like Voices Breaking Boundaries, SEIU Texas, Mi Familia Vota, 
United We Dream, Sierra Club, and most recently, you were working nationwide on the Tom Steyer presidential campaign. So thanks for all that you do, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us about this important ruling. How, how big a decision was this for you? Uh, very big. It could have determined whether uh, my information is handed over to the government, a very racist, fascist government, or, you know, I stay here and continue working and living my life. That's huge. And myself, I really was imagining the worst, be mostly because President Trump had packed the Supreme Court with justices that he told the public were conservative. However, it was mm -hmm. a five-four decision. Were you surprised that um, DACA was upheld by the Supreme Court? I think slightly. Um, I there's been so many battles fought that I think at some point you're just like, well, all of this is going on. I really don't know. I really did not know. I do know that our people have so much power more power than what we think. And uh, that's why we are being um, labeled undocumented. That's why we're being labeled something. We are used for a label, labor. We're exploited. We don't get anything back. And then, um, you know, they want to hunt us uh, because they're scared. So I think more than anything, it reflects the power that we have. On that note, I'd like to reflect on some of the examples you mentioned in your bio because these are a big deal for anyone from our community however you've had added challenges because you are undocumented well i mean you're documented for now you, you don't have citizenship status but you have a certain protection let's walk through that Absolutely. let's walk through what that means so so for example because you are on daca remind folks of some of the privileges that you have well, for now, I can get a driver's license. I think that was one of the biggest things so I can drive without fear. A lot of our people are racially profiled on the road by local police who have contracts like 287G, which uh, was canceled here in Harris County. Being able to work and provide for your family, which means being able to get better jobs, really. I mentioned some of the amazing positions that you've held, but let's make it clear. You couldn't work for the Tom Steyer campaign if you were not on DACA and did not have a work permit, right? That's correct. What about driving? I mean, I can't imagine not driving in Houston. Oh, God, yeah. Young people who are going to school or work have to make that daily decision of gambling with their lives or driving. Is that a real tension for folks who are not covered by DACA or... Absolutely. I mean, you can be racially profiled, like I said, which is not uncommon, especially in Texas. Um, in a police state like Texas, uh, we just had city council deny a request from, you know, their citizens, from just local people like you and I who pay taxes to uh, lower funding or defund uh, HPD. That just did not happen. That's a really good link because right now that the focus is on police reform, we're talking about dismantling systems that, as you pointed out, profile people from our communities. And what's interesting to me is I've just moved to a different part of town and where I used to live was more 
had had a higher concentration of Latinos, and I remember vividly there'd be traffic spot. So there were spots where I knew every couple of months uh, there would be police officers stopping people as they drove by. So we all learned to slow down, but people who were not aware would speed by and they would pull people over. I don't see that as much in other neighborhoods. So that's just one example of what you're talking about. But you're bringing up that this adds even more challenges to folks who have, uh, again, even even with DACA, there's implications if you're stopped or pulled over, but especially without that. Um, let's look at some other laws, because you mentioned 287G, so there's been battles to stifle 287G. Tell people a little bit about that because that may not be on people's radars anymore because we've got so many other crises to talk about. Yeah, 287G, Safe Communities, uh, an imp- a program implemented by the Obama administration um, that was uh, Harris County, the sheriff then, Adrian Garcia, decided to opt into the program. So he had a choice and a Latino uh, decided to sell his people out and start detaining undocumented people, essentially, uh, which is a lot of Latinos, but also being undocumented is not a Latino issue. It also affects Black folks. It affects uh, uh, disproportionately Black bodies and Asian people. This is probably something that people don't remember because it's not making headlines as much, but that's just one facet of the entire fabric of immigration issues that can control the lives of our community. Let's talk about the opportunity to go to school. So typically in other states, undocumented students have to pay out-of-state tuition, which in Texas is double. So international students have to pay double. Tell us about the story as far as in-state tuition for the undocumented goes for Hinta here in Texas. So groups like FIEL fought for institution for undocumented students years ago. And so because of that, people like myself were able to get a master's degree. Um, financial roadblocks uh, are a real thing. I mean, Republicans have this thing where they just want to make it so difficult for undocumented people to live here that they end up self-deporting. This is a thing. And they have a term for it they they're afraid of us they don't want us here i think what's really powerful is you use these opportunities to give back to the community let's talk a little bit about your activism because even as you pursue your art you're still looking out for the vulnerable and other folks from our communities tell us a little bit about your work in film and multimedia but also how that signifies how you give back and why that that's important to you I think, you know, just like everything is tied and everything is interrelated, like people need to understand that, you know, the immigration issue is just not, it's not just a Latino issue and it encompasses uh, policing as well. Uh, Well, in my practice, I I think that as well. I mean, I live um, my values. Um, I work really hard to do that. I'm, I recently started volunteering to translate, um, uh, for folks at the border um, through the phone, and I'm teaching um, a young um, immigrant uh, person uh, English, uh, so I get to talk to her every week, see how she's doing, and just you know help her 
integrate. Um, let her know that we do want her, that people like her are appreciated. She wants to be a doctor. I'm like, that is amazing. Uh, how many kids have those dreams? Um, and I'm also very honored to be working on In Plain Sight Map, which is a national project to call out uh, injustices in detention. Um, I invite you guys to come uh, look at it on February 3rd at the North Link office. Um, of course, while socially distancing as much as possible because our state government has failed to protect us from uh, the coronavirus. And now we are, you know, Houston is keeping this virus alive. So many people are infected. It's a problem. And because we, our government failed to protect us early on, businesses are, ha are having to close again and more and more people are being infected. This is, this is ridiculous. So, but yes, this is what I'm up to. <laughs> no, that's powerful. <laughs> and I got to remind our listeners that we're recording this remotely. I had an interview just before this and between the last interview and this interview, Judge Hidalgo has declared that we're on red alert. So everything is moving so quickly. Yeah. And as you alluded to, we cannot risk more mismanagement of serious issues from COVID-19 yes. up to immigration. Absolutely. I mean, immigrants are being scapegoated and their lives are being put in danger. And let me just give Judge Hidalgo a big shout out because um, I saw city council just failing Turner in his response. I saw uh, obviously Greg Abbott, uh, obviously the president, but she remained a voice of reason for us, a protective voice of reason. And you know, just getting on Twitter and seeing the response of, you know, ignorant people attacking this woman, like she just became prey early on. But now, you know, people are coming around and realizing that she was right all along. So some of your work, you want to redefine how females are perceived. Let's talk about the backlash to Judge Hidalgo's advocacy for our health, because in my opinion, when she's compared to Dora the Explorer, that's racist in that there's so many other <laughs> figures that should be compared to. You know, so many powerful Chicana oh, women. Yeah. And here, yeah. here go public figures, in my opinion, demeaning her. What are your thoughts on that? And does that signify other profiling of our community? Absolutely. It is racism. It is sexism. It is the way that, you know, Texas treats women. Like we have to accept that as Texas, we have a very toxic uh, male masculinity idea. Uh, I mean, coming from the whole cowboy thing, which I mean, you know, cowboys are not bad, but uh, and, and but there's a lot that comes with that imagery there is so much power the power of images the power of culture of how we see things and also because i want people to understand how profound your work is and i want that image to linger in our listeners heads when they think about daca recipients or the latinx community you work on that tell our listeners a little bit more about your work especially your project deconstructing the image of the figure known as La Malinche, who should more appropriately be called Malinali. Well, I think first in, the first instinct that I that I have as an artist, it was that I had as an artist was to 
make art about being undocumented. Uh, but I am going to admit it was a very difficult time uh, being in graduate school um, and not really being able to step in to help my family as much as I as I wanted to uh, oftentimes. But uh, so I directed my sight at, the, at history. Uh, why are we as Latinos, as women, why am I as a Mexican woman where I am today with this labels, all the labels that come attached to my body and my identity. And so I looked at the Malintzin, who is also called La Malinche. Uh, that name was given to her because the Spanish couldn't pronounce her name. Um, but also that name was given to Cortez. They, they used to call him El Malinche. So her identity also heavily slipped onto his. I mean, she was his translator um, during the conquest. And I do see some sort of like scapegoating of, of women all the time in our history and scapegoating of immigrants, for instance, and seeing who the people who is suffering. You know, these are women and children, too, who are suffering. So I don't think those ideas are are very far-fetched and there's they have a lot in common so i decided to explore malintzin uh, or malinali this translator uh, specifically a moment of time where she is giving birth to she's also called the mother of mexicans so she's giving birth to a whole population um and 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 what that signifies and implies yeah well, and that has reverberations today because it's that same profiling and those same stereotypes and pigeonholing that are reflected in how Judge Hidalgo is treated because she gets lamblasted for having very proactive measures against COVID-19, whereas President Trump did not, and also Governor Abbott did not. And if people think that there's no consequences to profiling and labeling people. Well, today, Governor Abbott had to indirectly admit that Judge Hidalgo was right, and now he's closing the bars <laughs> and getting sicker, and maybe uh, we should listen to smart Latinas. I agree. Give people your social media platforms or websites so people can follow your work and keep up to date on your project. Uh, you can follow me at at Selva Fertil on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, my website is selvafertil.co. It's still a work in progress, so but I'm hoping to have it ready soon. We've been talking with Karen Martinez, a Latinx artist changing the world. Thanks for calling in. You're welcome. Yes, yes, yes,
You're tuning into Latino Politics and News. This is Tony Diaz. We're continuing our examination of the recent Supreme Court ruling regarding DACA, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. We're joined on the telephone by Cesar Espinosa. He is co-founder and current executive director of the largest immigrants' rights organization in Texas. It's called FIEL, as we all know, and that stands for Familias Inmigrantes Estudiantes en la Lucha, Immigrant Families and Students in the Fight. FIEL is an immigrant-led nonprofit that seeks to empower, and it does. It empowers the immigrant community in Houston, in the state, and in the U.S., Cesar has served and currently serves on a lot of boards at the local, state, and national level. He's an advocate for immigrant rights, student rights, and human rights. He's got over 19 years of experience in the field of organizing. He has really made an impact with grassroots organizing and made a big difference in our community. Cesar, welcome to the airwaves and congratulations on this major ruling. What, what are your thoughts? What were you thinking when you heard that Supreme Court had voted 5-4 to four to keep DACA alive? Well, uh, number one, thank you, Tony, for uh, always covering you know the news that and all the issues that impact our community. Uh, been a long time friend of yours, a long time supporter, and and I hope that people know that that this is not over. This is still a fight that that continues. Um, so, you know, personally, I am a DACA recipient, and we've been fighting this fight now for almost 20 years to try to get the DREAM Act, which unfortunately we've been able to pass through Congress, uh, but the Senate hasn't really, has never really given us a chance to to make the DREAM Act a, a reality. And so for the last 20 years we've been advocating, we've been um, fighting, pushing, um, and in 2012 we got the Obama, the then Obama administration to uh, to sign uh, the DACA into, into um into an executive order, which basically um, suspends our deportation for two years at a time. So unfortunately, when President Trump came in, he decided to do away with the program, uh, saying that executive orders were unconstitutional. And by executive order, he canceled that executive order. And uh, now we're in a spot where the highest court of the land, which is the Supreme Court, said that he ended the program maliciously and capriciously. uh, And therefore, we go back to square one, which is, uh, you know, DACA as it is. Uh, The good news is that for the meantime, we have DACA. The bad news is that the Supreme Court never actually ruled on the DACA, uh, on whether or not DACA is constitutional. They only ruled on the part that said that the Trump administration ended the program erroneously. So therefore, uh, you know, at any time the president could come down and try to think of a new legal argument. So what we actually need, Tony, is uh, we need uh, not only uh, a pathway to citizenship for like the the dreamer community, but also start having that larger conversation of what it what it would mean to get a pathway to citizenship for more for the more than 11 million undocumented people that exist in this country that are essential workers that are making America what America is today, which is great. And you bring up great. Point. Point because the issue of DACA is one component of this bigger immigration issue. We've got elections coming up. Any advice on how people can proceed to not just support folks who are DACA recipients, but maybe make a bigger push for, like you say, a very specific pathway for citizenship for other undocumented families? What are your suggestions? Um, so I'm glad that we were. This interview is going to be six hours long because we have a lot of <laughs> suggestions that people can that people that people can do. 
Uh, no, but but seriously, I mean, just a couple of things that people can do is number one, find out more, get more educated on the issue, get more educated on on what's really going on. Like, I mean, we get these crazy comments online of people saying, "Well, oh, this is uh, underground uh, amnesty and things like that," and it's not. I mean, DACA not, if DACA is not even uh, a legal status, what it is is a suspension of deportation for two years at a time. The other thing is 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 get involved get get together with an organization like fiel or any organization of your choosing uh and and try to find out how you can advocate for more just laws not only for the immigrant community but the community at large um and, and marginalized communities the third thing people can do is uh is reach out you know oftentimes organizations like fiel and other organizations need funding need volunteers get get really really involved and in, and in, and in, in give your time uh resources, whatever you can to uh, to some of these organizations who are fighting on the ground. Uh, and number four, please, 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 if you are eligible to vote, we need you now more than ever. Part of the reason why uh, these unjust laws get passed or we have these bad policies is because we have bi- bad politicians. So it's important that uh, that you go out and, and make your voice heard and vote for the people and become an educated voter and vote for the people who are going to look out for us. Um, and eventually, if you if you are are unhappy with with the way uh, politics is, with the way this two party system has evolved, uh, you know, run for office yourself. I mean, I know you you have Tony, and I know other folks have stepped up to the plate, and we always encourage that because if you don't like what you see, then then be the change that we really need in this world. Please give out the contact information and the website address for Fiel. They can find us on all of our social media platforms at Fiel Houston. Uh, they can go to our website at www.fielhouston.org uh, or they can call or text us at 713-364-3435. 713-364-3435. We're answering all the DACA questions, all the questions. We have a full legal department where folks uh, can inquire about the immigration status. We have attorneys. Uh, we do uh, a lot of pro bono services for uh, for folks who are uh, low income. So please reach out to us, ask us questions and let us know how you can get involved in closing congratulations so part of the work at, that you've done that fail has done and so many others have done because you are changing the world close us out with some inspirational words just to keep people pushing and keep them fired up you know um we we want to make sure that folks uh, get uh that they get united in this fight um, and uh, when we, you know, we've been supporting different movements in the last couple of weeks, specifically the Black Lives Matter movement. So for this year, our theme is going to be uh, your fight is my fight or tu lucha is mi lucha. So we want to make sure that folks know that in Fiel, they have somebody they can count in. And together, we're going to win this fight at the end of it all. Thank you for calling in. And thanks for all that you do, Cesar. Thank you so much, Tony. Si tú te vuelves loca por mí, por mí Y yo me vuelvo loco por ti, por ti. Entonces, ma, deja el novio que tú tienes Dile que tú no lo quieres Anoche me soñé contigo Y el imbécil de tu prometido Al igual que en el presente Tú prácticamente a punto de gritar a auxilio Y yo que tengo síndrome de héroe Le quedan par de horas pa' perderte En nuestra última conversación Qué bueno que consumiste alcohol Tú sabes cómo te pones cuando mezclas champaña con tequila Que borras al otro día Pero grabé lo que decías 
Si borracha me come 